0: Welcome. I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, you know that I'm an avid disc golfer. And yes, disc golf is better than ball golf, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> I was I was playing in a disc golf tournament a few weeks ago, and uh, on hole number two, I was standing on the tee pad, and as I let go of the disc, I had a feeling that it was going to be a really good shot. <laughs> Many of you know what I'm talking about. You you just know when you let go of the ball or or the disc or you swing the bat that it's going to be r- really close to the target. Sure enough, I watched the disc fly through the air and curve right into the basket. <laughs> it was it was an ace or for those that, that don't know disc golf terminology, it was a hole in one. Many that were there were celebrating with me. They, they gave me high fives. And, and, and why did they do that? Because it was an exceptional shot. Now PETA, the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, has a philosophy that kind of goes beyond their name. Animal rights, it, it, as they put it, is not just a philosophy. It's a social movement that changes society's traditional view that all non-human animals exist solely for human use. This is this is their their words. Right? They say that as PETA founder Ingrid Newkirk uh, has said, quote, when it comes to pain, love, joy, loneliness and fear, a rat is a pig, is a dog, is a boy. Each one values his or her life and fights the knife. That was her, that was her quote. <laughs> Only prejudice, they say, allows us to deny others the rights that we expect to have for ourselves. Whether it's based on race, gender, sexual orientation, or species, prejudice is morally unacceptable. If you wouldn't eat a dog, why eat a pig? Dogs and pigs have the same capacity to feel and to feel pain. But it is prejudice based on species that allows us to think of one animal as a companion and the other as dinner. <laughs> That's directly from PETA, right? Okay. <laughs> and, and, and we could... We could have a whole podcast on that, but, but they're not the only ones. Here's, here's the Animal Legal Defense Fund, which, of course, was established in like 1979. They said uh, they, they, they are promoting this, this animal bill of rights. And on this animal bill of rights, it says my signature on the animal bill of rights stands as a loud declaration that animals deserve basic legal protections recognized and enforced by law. Since basic rights for animals do not currently exist, I support the Animal Legal Defense Fund's efforts to advocate for laws and/or policies that embody the spirit and the principles of the following tenets. Now, here's here's their following tenets. Get these. Number one, the right of animals to have their interests their interests represented in court and safeguarded by the law without impe- impediments hmm. <laughs> number two the right of animals to have their status recognized under the law as living feeling beings capable of wide range of positive and negative experiences yeah number three the right of animals to be protected under the law from exploitation and cruelty. Number four, the right of animals in the wild to self-determination and an environment that allows them to engage in behavioral, natural to their species. Number five, the right of animals under human care to have their species specific and individual needs fulfilled to maximize their physical, emotional, and mental well-being. And number six, the right of animals subject to criminal acts to be legally recognized as crime victims. Those are the things that you can sign on to as supporting. So without getting into, like I say, this is even a whole nother podcast that we could do, but without getting into all the, the things that are wrong about those things, what both of these organizations are trying to promote is that there is no difference between humans and animals, that humans are not exceptional, that we are just one animal on a spinning planet of thousands of other animals. God did not create us differently in in his image at all, is what they're saying. To them, everyone is equal, including the animals. Now, side note, of course, if if they 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 really believed that they they would convict every hawk and wolf or lion as as murder. you know I mean, and, but again, another podcast, right? <laughs> Just concentrating on humans, though, is there such a thing as an exceptional person? Well, let's take a look at the Bible, for instance, studying the life of Daniel in the Bible. It's hard not to be inspired by his resolution to keep himself set apart for God. He he endured the humiliation of being taken captive, was transported to a foreign land and underwent intense training to change his thinking. Yet he was determined to not defile himself with the impure practices of the Babylonians. And God blessed his tenacity and his wisdom by Promoting him to be a powerful advisor to several kings. Take the, take the life of Joseph, for example, as an as another exceptional person of the Bible. He 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 endured so many terrible things that happened to him because you know of of the things that that were put upon him, even by his own brothers. But because he did the right things, he made the right decisions, and he stayed true to God he was placed in a position to save his entire family and and even a nation this was possible because he was an exceptional person doing exceptional things if people can be exceptional can a group of people be exceptional can can a country be exceptional there are different thoughts on this believe it or not <laughs> uh president Barack Obama spent much of his presidency on the apology tour, as it was called. He he would go to other nations around the world and apologize for the U.S. His main message was that there is nothing different or exceptional about America, and some are prone to think so. And for that, he apologized. Many call this kind of thinking American exceptionalism that leftists like Obama hate this kind of thinking and, and see it as being, being bashed and, 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 and criticized. They, they, they just want to bash and criticize this type of thinking. And in, as an example of this, an article by uh, Vinnie uh, Ramesh of, of uh, Berkeley uh, he wrote an article back in November of, of 2020, and it started out with this. It says, I'll break down why blindly le- uh, leaning and learning and promoting American exceptionalism is damaging not only to our citizens, but to our democracy as a whole. Unchecked American exceptionalism can be damaging to one's perception of this country, creating the impression that the United States is a flawless, shining beacon meant to lead the world rather than be a great but deeply flawed nation in need of repair. Advocates of American exceptionalism argue that the United States is exceptional because it was founded on a set of ideals, that this nation was founded on defeating tyrants, or as Lincoln said, "quote." conceived in liberty, and um, dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal, unquote. Some only tout that ideal when it suits their narrative, he says, to make soaring campaign speeches riddled with colorful rhetoric and empty promises. Arguably, America was not founded on equality." for for all rather the founding fathers took it upon themselves to dole out selective freedom 1776 america took pleasure in uh, dictating a hierarchy on freedom and that assumption of power and distinction of class race and gender remains the root cause of many issues in society today so can you hear where he's going here I mean this is obviously a setup for CRT and uh, critical race theory and this this type of thinking right and so let's continue it he says American ideals didn't continue or I'm sorry didn't include equality for women who fought for suffrage and only attained the right to vote in 1920 <laughs> of course uh, of course the system, was set up that gave women the right to vote, right? So, so you can't really use that as an example, but let's continue. It didn't include equality for Native Americans whose land this country stole, displacing millions. And of course, to, to that, I would say, but this country did honor treaties, keeping their culture intact instead of just assimilating them in, into, you know, our, our culture, like every other country did, uh, it, that doesn't make any sense. He he continues, it didn't include equality for black people who are still fighting to this day to be recognized as equals. How How are they fighting to be recognized as equals today? In fact, we've documented here on this podcast how blacks in this country have more rights and advantages than other races. You can go back. We just did one not too long ago. You can go back and you can you can hear those. And he continues, he says, Equal protection may have been granted in name, but this country is still far from universally accepting black people and people of color as equal in their eyes and hearts. And this this is just a hot pile of garbage. You <laughs> have to come out and say, this, the, you notice that, that this is said as fact? without a stitch of evidence or even one example. He continues and he says, regardless of the racist and, and xenophobic rhetoric espoused by the current president, of course, this was written in 2020, over 71 million Americans still voted for his unsuccessful reelection. And again, I mean, he, he, he's calling out Trump here as... As racist and xenophobic, without a single bit of evidence or not one single example. And he can he continues here and he he, he uh, finishes up by saying, America loves to picture itself as a moral compass for the world, but we seldom acknowledge our own shortcomings and failures. And and I would say we can have shortcomings and failures, but still be exceptional, right? Joseph and Daniel and those guys, they were not perfect. They had some shortcomings and they had some failures. And yet still, they were exceptional. Now here on the flip side of the American exceptionalism coin is an article by Kim R. Holmes, PhD. He's, it, was, it was written roughly the same time, I think maybe even a month before, but about the same time as this prior article, and it was named, Why American Exceptionalism is Different from the Country's Nationalism. He, he starts out by saying, mobs, of, uh, mobs are, are toppling statues of American heroes. America and America's past are on trial. People are pro, uh, protesting and rioting over the very ideas of what America stands for. The future of the country depends on what Americans do next. It depends on how Americans answer some direct, but not so simple questions like, who are we as Americans? What does it mean to be American? To answer these questions, we have to start with the American founding it gave america its ethos its characteristic spirit and culture the american ethos has a firm philosophical foundation it comprises a set of philosophical ideas on which the american founders relied to create the system of government that we enjoy to this day and i would say yes i mean the the bible talks about the fact that government is there for certain purposes and reasons and that is obviously, to protect the innocent and and, uh, judge those that are wicked and that type of thing. He says the founders had a very distinct idea of moral order. They believed that morality and government should be in accordance with what they called the laws of nature and the laws of God. Natural law is universal and thus morally binding on all mankind. Since natural law is and and was universal, to go against it was to go against human nature itself. The purpose or end state of nature was that the founders broadly understood as happiness. And in order to be truly happy, one had to be good. And happiness was understood as living a virtuous life. Washington, Adams, and other founders said repeatedly that freedom could not be enjoyed without virtue. Without it, one would get nothing but tyranny based on power and uh, and selfishness. Governments must be instituted to protect the natural rights and liberties of their people. That's just simply biblical. This is where the idea of limited government comes from. Governments must be limited and their powers constitutionally enumerated, as they are in the Constitution to protect liberties and rights. That's why the founders used checks and balances in government to stave off tyranny. Also, key is the American idea of equality before the law. They did not think about social equality as as we often do today where everyone is supposed to be, you know, equal in income and in social status. Founders assumed that individuals had different talents and opportunities. And 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 they wanted to ensure that to, to the extent possible, the, the law treated everyone equally. So what then is American exceptionalism? The idea of American exceptionalism, which is, I believe, the answer to the question of what America's National identity is, and, and should remain. It, it's grounded in Americans' founding principles: natural law, liberty, limited government, individual rights, uh, checks and balances on government, popular popular sovereignty, um, this, the the civilizing uh, uh, civilizing role of of religion in society, um, the uh, crucial role of civil liberty and and civil institutions in grounding and and mediating our our democracy and our freedom. We as Americans believe these principles are right and true for all people, not just for us. But if the principles are universal, how are Americans different? How are we exceptional? We believe that Americans are different because our creed is both universal and exceptional. At the same time, we are exceptional in the unique way we apply these universal principles. Does that make sense? There is no other country in the world that embodies the blend of classical philosophy and Christianity and even Enlightenment ideas on the unique way America did in the founding of the Republic from 1776 to 1789. It was an exceptional, meaning uncommon mix of liberty limited government natural rights and religious liberty that made the american founding unique america is the only country in the world that derives its legitimacy from natural rights and natural law i i really it it it, it is definitely one of those things that is 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 the cause why people will say that we are li- a living experiment and and I, I really don't mean exceptional in a normative sense, but in a uh, descriptive sense, or what is what was different and unique. Some people doubt the importance of the American creeds in 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 defining America. wanting to make America fit into the large narrative of nationalism, a celebration of the nation and the nation-state as a general matter. They downplay the creed as mere words, supposedly not strong enough to carry the patriotic history of uh, the American nation. If the creed does not matter to Americans, what then is so special about America, really? Is it our... Ethnicity? Well, that, that does not work because there is no such thing as a common American ethnicity. I mean, e- even in the beginning, Amer- Americans were a mixed uh, and, and a mixture of, of English and Scott Scots Irish and Highland Scots and German, African American, Native American, French, Dutch, uh, and all kinds of ethnicities. Is it a specific religion? Well, we we are indeed a, a religious country, but no, we have freedom of religion, not one official religion, on purpose, of course. Is it our culture? Well, yes. But how does one understand American culture without the American creed and the founding principles? To understand what makes America unique, just look at the immigrant experience. People from all over the world come here and become Americans, not just by learning English or by buying land, but by living the American creed and the American dream, by adopting our history. Another benefit of American exceptionalism is that it's self-correcting. When, when we fail, we, we, uh, we fail to live up to our ideals as as we do that and and as we did even uh, with slavery w- before the civil war and during the era of jim crow and things like this we we can we can appeal as lincoln did to our better nature as he put it to correct our flaws there is no american identity without the american creed but the the creed is more than a set of abstract ideas it's it's shared cultural experience based on Living out the creed across space and historical time in in a in a specific place called America. And so this begs the question: Is American exceptionalism a form of nationalism? Well, there is a push afoot to ground America conservatism in a concept of nationalism. That's nationalism with a capital N. It implies that as a nation, America is just like any other nation. There is nothing particularly exceptional about America because in this way of thinking, America derives its legitimacy not from the people or from its form of government, but from that the fact that it's a mere nation like any other nation. The whole point of American exceptionalism is to provide moral and, and political legitimacy to the very idea of American first, to, to keep the moral legitimacy of the um, specialness that the na- nationalists hope to claim without all the terrible historical baggage of the idea. The, the problem is that adopting the mantle of nationalism would weaken America's claim to being exceptional, an exceptional nation. It would make us just a nation like any other. But most importantly, it would undermine our claim to belonging to a nation that is grounded in principles that are universal. That is true not just for Americans, but for all human beings. American exceptionalism is built on our founding principles, not cultural and ethnic differences. Americans recognize their varied ethnic and cultural origins, but Become Americans. They come together as Americans. Nationalism is often defined by sole cultural or ethnic reference, regardless of the form of government. Um, the democratic na- nation state, uh, on the other hand, is grounded in its legitimacy and its sovereignty in democratic governance and in the American experience, in, the, in a government that reflects the principles of natural law. The American founding was grounded in natural law, and not in the idea of a nation state. And it's not it's not in its language; it's not in its ethnicity; it's, or or even ideology, that makes us great and it makes us good. It's our creed and how we have woven it into our culture and way of life, and our form of government. So, so we 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 see how the left. And its its hatred of American exceptionalism is incorrect, but we can also see that there is kind of a flip side to that, where we can go too far the other direction. Um, you know, the left has ha, has been making war on America for decades, and it's the familiar chain uh, charge that America is irredeemably tainted by racism, and that the founding fathers were slave owning hypocrites. Our written constitution uh, is outdated and needs to be a living document, which means it's its text and and original intent cannot you know cannot be ignored, but needs to be intentionally overthrown. The, but yet we also see that there is a push to, well, as they put it, Robert Riley refers to this as 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 the poison pill thesis of of the American founding. The the American founding was doomed from the very beginning because the founders, under this nefarious um, influence of John Locke, imported the poison pill of liberalism or or liberty into the founding documents uh, and our mindsets. And over time, this Original idea of liberty morphed into the progressive liberalism of today. The evil philosophers are Locke and his ilk from the Enlightenment. Um, but the history is just all wrong. The, the founders borrowed from Locke's ideas of rights. They they had little or no interest in his theories uh, of, of knowledge that that you know so bothered some conservatives today. Um, this this type of thing is is just not uh not good and not uh, also not good it's it's the same thing as as what the left often does and that's just revisionist history and of course that's not good so you know whether the, the whether from the left or from the right all all the bad ideas of modern age are at play here in re- revisionism historic, uh, historicism and just bad faith <laughs> Uh, I cannot conceive of a, a conservative American cause without the patriotic cause of liberty. It, it would literally be rejecting one of the central ideas of the American Revolution. Without liberty, the country would lose its moorings and eventually drift into authoritarianism. Uh, the radical individualism and and uh, you know libert- uh, uh, liberalism of today is is derived not from the founding, but from cultural Marxism and a, and a radical individualism of a identity politics. And, 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 and these things matter, that, that's, that, that's why these things matter. They're, they're about the American identity. They're about um, American liberty. They're at the very heart of what it means to be an American. So to answer the question, is American exceptionalism good or bad? I would say very good, actually. This country was set up on the guiding principles and values of the Bible, and it still maintains this moral footing and is still a force for good and freedom around the world. So let's not take that for granted, shall we? And you and you may agree with me on this. You may disagree with, with me on this. And of course, I am all ears and I would love to hear from you. You can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast dot com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.